Hi and welcome to this latest edition of Uber Neuro, the podcast designed to help people with neurodiversity or those around neurodiversity um, deal with the reality of life and to understand that they're not alone and that despite the challenges they face, that um, uh, sunnier times lie ahead and that one can live a totally amazing, fulfilled life uh, despite or because of the neurodiversity they have, which some people consider to be a superpower. And talking about superpowers, uh, I have Super Zoe uh, live uh, coming in to us uh, from the Middle East, uh, from Israel. Uh, hello, Zoe, are you there? Hello, hello, I'm here. Of, of course hello. you're there, we can see you. I mean, it's, <laughs> but obviously, uh, not everyone who's listening to this will be able to see you because we release these podcasts in audio form first, and we will release them at a later date in video. Now, for the uh, very, very uh, clever detectives of you out there, you might notice and deduce, or is it induce, that I have a slight sniffly cold. So I will be putting myself on mute uh, when Zoe's talking, so you don't have to listen to me sniffling and snuffling my way through this podcast. Um, and before I do that, though, do yourselves and the world a favor before we meet there officially. Uh, share this, like this, comment on this, because if you think it's useful, it's probably the same for loads of people you know, and we're here to help. No one's doing this for a living. This is about helping each other get through the day. So without further ado, Zoe, hello. 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 How are you? I'm all, all apart from my cold, I'm okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, 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 no, it's a bit stiffly. Um, it's just a bit irritating, and I hate sneezing, actually. It's one of those... I, I'm an undiagnosed God knows what, and one of the things that really bothers me is sneezing. So yeah, imagine, I'm, <laughs> I'm, almost, I'm almost allergic to sneezing. So when I sneeze, it's like, ah, it's terrible. Um, so tell us uh, about the challenges you faced. Okay, so um, I, um, I have a diagnosis of dyslexia and dyspraxia. Um, I didn't know this when I was little, when I was growing up. Um, and I really struggled at school um, with any kind of studying, basically, um, practically everything. So I was flunking and bunking of most of my school life, um, and I really struggled to kind of um, and like digest what the teacher was saying and understand it and be able to take anything away from lessons. I found it really hard to read as well, um, and I didn't know at the time what was going on. Um, and I also had a quite a big problem with socialising, which might sound quite strange, but when you're younger and you see all your friends around you and they're all talking and um, they're all having these conversations and kind of looking at them going, why, how is everyone having these conversations? How everyone is, uh, um, how is everyone able to start a conversation, continue a conversation and finish it? Um, I didn't have stuff to talk about with people and I thought there was something wrong with me. I didn't understand this sort of social concept. Um, and that kind of coupled with not being able to study wasn't, wasn't a nice combination for me in school. Um, we fast forward quite a few years and when I got to university, but at the very young age of 31, um, I failed all my exams in my first year um, because I found it... In, very very hard to study when it came to things I was looking at somebody doing it was fine but then reading stuff and retaining that information was 
it was terrible. Um, so I had a long talk with a, a fellow student of mine and he suggested that I might be dyslexic. Um, so I went and got assessed for it and lo and behold, I'm a very, very clear di diagnosis of dyslexia. I also got a very clear diagnosis of dyspraxia and I'd been very clumsy when I was growing up when I was little. Um, it's always the joke of me stubbing my foot on stuff all the time um, to the point my husband doesn't even ask if I'm okay after I've hurt myself because he's so used to it. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, really, and always knocking over juice at home, being told I had a drinking problem. Um, so it, it was big challenges for me. And on top of that, I have an eye condition where I see double constantly. So I open my eyes in the morning and um, I see double and see double all day and go to sleep at night and that's the only time Literally I Literally double? I mean, can you see like two of everything in front it's of like you? A, yeah, it's like an overlap of two. Oh, like wow. if you were looking through a shop window and you're looking at something through the shop window and then you catch yourself in your reflection, but there's a double reflection of yourself. Oh my yeah. God. How do you that's cope nice. with that? That must be really... Uh, well, wow. I suppose you're used to it. Yeah. I, I work with my hands now. Um, yeah, so these are my challenges that I faced all my life and some I still still struggle with today, but actually I've got tools today that help. So, um. Okay, so that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Um, I'm going to try not to sniff whilst I talk. Um, tell us what happened next. How did, so diagnose, into diagnosis and then coping mechanisms, learning how to get through the day. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, so let's take eyes off the list, but um, with my dyslexia and dyspraxia, so I actually kind of found out there's different types of learning. There's not just this, the standard rote learning that we all did at school, you know, repeat, repeat after the teacher, repeat after the teacher, and if it doesn't go in, well, then there must be something wrong with you, you know? I learned about um, different types of teaching tools, so like kinesthetic teaching. So, Look, someone might be more visual when they uh, like to learn. Someone might be more um, sensory when they like to learn. Uh, or someone may just be like to write things down and they absorb it that way. And we all have different ways that we like to learn. So I went through Amazing. a lot of different, yeah, I went through lots of different um, tools to try and find the right thing that would work for me um, to help me. And I found I am a visual learner. That's my thing. So I always would do very um, animated uh, mind maps. Um, and that helped me, that helped me survive and get through schooling. Um, and with dyspraxia, I still, I still knock my toes on things, but, um, but I think I do it less because I'm able to focus better. Right, you know? yes. You're more aware of it probably as well. So yes. you probably give yourself yes. more, more room to sort of get around stuff. Do you know, it's funny, I, uh, well, it's not funny, but it's funny, but uh, I'm quite a big chap and I'm always catching my t-shirt or my shirts on door handles. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like my thing. Maybe it's dyspraxia, but I think it's just I'm chubby. But, um, uh, and so I, I find myself compensating, so I have to try and give myself more room. And I think, I think the human being is very, very good at that sort of adaptive behavior. Mm -hmm. I think our, our natural state of being is adaption and we're constantly adapting so what's interesting to me about a lot of what you've just said and about neurodiversity in general is if you take an animal the human that is brilliant at adaptation and innovation um, the more challenges you give them the more adaptive 
and the more chan the more innovative they become so that's why there's a huge part of the neurodiversity movement that doesn't see it as a negative thing of course it's difficult to have a child with asd of course it's difficult to deal with dyspraxia or dyscalculia or any of the various neurodiversities around no one's saying it isn't difficult but where there's a negative there's a positive and so some people in the movement that is neurodiversity um absolutely believe it's building people with different abilities and superpowers and in fact i heard recently about a technology business that are now exclusively hiring uh people with autism uh, some people have just come home for those of you listening my family have just come home so you're about to hear dog madness and uh, wife and son uh, voices and hilarity. This is a real podcast and a real living home. Uh, try, try and try and ignore them. We'll adapt. We'll adapt. Um, so uh, yeah, so you know they're hiring exclusively uh, people with autism. Mm-hmm. They yeah, know that actually software is is a, it's brilliant to hire an autistic person because they're really able to super focus and to process things differently. So. Um, yeah. God, what are you going to say? Yeah, this is my my son is, has a diagnosis of Asperger's, and um, we moved. Like I said, we moved out here two years ago. I moved out. Oh, sorry, I didn't say I moved abroad two years ago, and it was big, big challenges. But with his challenges, he's managed to learn a completely new language, and adapt and integrate with a new community, a new society um and he's phenomenal in maths so he's not kind of lost his yeah he's he's just progressed to a place where it's very clear the really amazing he's really good at um and here in in israel they do have a lot of companies that hire specifically hire um adults with asperger's and autism because there's a clear need for people who are good at their work yeah. and a focus and take their job seriously and, and a professional and a very capable of what they're doing. So, yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And how, how has it impacted on your work? So tell us a bit about your work and how your neurodiversities have, have obviously um, led you to a path to a career that suits you. Um, well, because I really struggled in school, all I ever did was art, really. That's the only thing I managed to get anywhere with and, and I took seriously as well. Um, and when I was older, I didn't, I didn't manage to go to uni when everyone else did it. So 18 years old, it didn't happen. I was a terrible student. I tried to start art school and, and it, I failed miserably. Um, I did six months. So that's my claim to fame for art school. Um, but then when I was older, I found that I was, all, most of the jobs that I was doing, um, were with my hands. I didn't, I couldn't do an office job because to right, sit and focus what someone was saying. So I found that I was um, working in, a, in uh, as a gardener, uh, working in gardening shops, uh, working uh, with the hairdressers, you know, doing the, the odd jobs. And then started one day, I, I went on a course and learnt massage and uh, then went abroad and learnt massage, then came back to the UK, carried on doing massage. And I was like, well, I actually feel like I can use my hands very well and I enjoy it um, and my palpation skills I, I think are very good based on they're the highest sensory place that I have right right um, so even though Amazing. I do 
still struggle with reading certain things, for instance. I'm better than I used to be because I, I challenged myself a little bit and I, I, you know, I did a medical degree. I think um, I, I'm very happy with myself that I managed to do it. Absolutely. I'm proud of myself that I did it. Yeah, that's okay. um, and it's hard work, but anyone can do it. Um, as long as you find the right tools that help you to get through it, you know. And today, I, I you know, I qualified years ago. I'm, I'm an osteopath today. And I now work in my dream job in a um, women and children's centre here in Israel, um, treating mothers and babies every day and treating children on the spectrum as well. Wow, um, amazing. Yeah. And, um, and I managed to do it, you know. That's, and that that's must be it. Your ability to treat people who have neurodiversity obviously is immense because as someone who has an understanding of, you know, the triggers, uh, you know, the things that they're going through to some degree or another, or at least more of an awareness and sensitivity to it. And, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, there's not how many osteopaths can say that. I mean, that's quite a differentiator, I would imagine. I would yeah, imagine I... a small percentage of osteopaths have the same challenges you do, and the same appreciation as you do. Yeah, I know a few. I do know a few osteopaths, but not many. You're right, and um, and I think you can. I think for me, I can relate to the mum or dads very well, and I can relate a little bit to their child. You know, because I can understand what they're going through. I'm still learning about my lovely boy all the time. Yeah, and he's cool. still learning about all the world, all of us, and the world around him. But to be able to relate to another parent and put them at ease and say, you know. I'm in your boat too, and it's a good boat to be in, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, as long as it's floating, you yes, know, exactly. it's all good. Um, amazing, so, sorry? As long as it's not weighed down with fish. <laughs> yeah, 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 just enough fish to survive, absolutely. So, um, and I guess, you know, that's a great um, sharing story around the challenge you face, the story of how you've got to where you are and how, you know, your skills have led you to your path, actually, ironically. And at the time, you know, I'm sure my son will listen to this. At the time, when you're just starting to cope with a challenge, it seems daunting. It seems like a hill that can't be climbed. And then, of course, you summit that hill and you look back and you go, ah, it was easy in the end. You know, and, and it wasn't easy, but it's always hindsight or, or positioning is everything when you're looking up at a hill that you have to climb it always looks bigger and then when you're on the top of that hill it always looks smaller so yeah. i think that's something i'm learning from this that we've all got our challenges and yeah we can all get there it is hard work but you know um all right well look um, oh god sorry i was giving a really good bit of advice once that still helps me that when you are faced with a big challenge um yes the peak looks very high but to look at doing the, the hardest bit first and mm. then it will make the rest easier. So when you're looking and the peak is very high, it's because it's where you want to get to, you know? Yeah, amazing. Um, nice. Yeah. So if that helps anybody. And um, sure. yeah. Wow. yeah. Amazing. Look, Zoe, <clears throat> thank you so much for sharing and putting up with my spluttering and coughing. Um, I, I think I've taken quite a few things. Uh, I think you, you said I was flunking and bunking and didn't know what was going on. I think a lot of people can identify with that. Uh, your skills have led you to your path. I think a lot of people will take great comfort in that, that what is unique about them will get them there. And I think that that notion about when faced with a big challenge, it's bigger because precisely 
it's, it's where you want to get to. Uh, I think a lot of people will take great, great comfort in that. So thank you once again for joining us. Um, and uh, for everyone that's listening, um, comment, share, like, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there suffering every day just because they think they're alone and they don't know that someone else has gone before them and they don't know that they're going to be okay. And of course they're going to be okay. And of course they're not alone, but they're not going to know that unless we all tell them. So for God's sake, share the hell out of this podcast. I'm doing it for that. I don't want any child to go to bed at night worrying about their future because they have a neurodiversity. It's unnecessary. I don't want any parents to worry about their child's future. You know, um, I want every parent with a child with neurodiversity to know that their child has whatever future their child wants. They're not defined by their neurodiversity. Their life isn't defined by it. And they can absolutely not only survive, but thrive uh, despite or because of what challenges they face. So Zoe, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, it looks lovely and sunny there. So enjoy. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we'll, well, uh, yeah, so I, I saw a window somewhere in the background. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Uh, uh, there you go. Oh, it's light. I thought it was a light. It's so sunny. It's so sunny and so bright. I thought it was. A... <laughs> Lucky are you. Meow. Thank you. No worries. Okay, and uh, everyone else, um, uh, if you're in, uh, if you're in the Israel area, um, what's your URL for your osteopathy practice, Zoe? Do you want to share? Um, well, yeah, it's well, it's a Facebook page. It's www.facebook.com forward slash Zoe McCarthy Osteopathy. I'd be more than happy to help anyone that needs it out there. Awesome. Well, there you go. And to everybody else, share away, uh, uberneuro.com. And we'll look forward to speaking to your, somebody even more uh, amazing, if we can find them even more amazing than Zoe, but someone equally as amazing um, <laughs> I'm sure, on the next episode. Uh, thank you all for tuning in.